So we're continuing with our series on how's your walk. Um, I'm not going to lie, I only realised on Friday that I was actually preaching on February the 14th, which was Valentine's Day. So that probably tells you all you need to know about me as a fiancé. Um, not very on the ball, and I'm obviously speaking on the subject of walk and love. I've reminded my fiancé that last year she up and left me and went to the Philippines over Valentine's Day. And this year I'm, I'm speaking. So the way I see it is she owes me double the presents and I don't really owe her anything. Um, but most of us men will know it doesn't really work like that. So we'll see how that goes later on. I'm just acting a big man because she's not at this service. She's not the next one. So I'll be lovely then at 1.15 whenever she's here. <laughs> We're speaking on the subject of walk and love, continuing with how's your walk. And I'm going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to look at the first 11 verses, uh, do my best to um, sort of break those verses down, um, 1 to 11. So we're going to begin at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God become, comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Allow me to pray before we, um, we begin to study God's word together. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word, God, as has already been said, I pray that your word you would use to speak to us, God, to build us up, Lord, to encourage us, to teach us, God, to mold us in the way that you would have us to be, God. By your Holy Spirit, would you speak through me, Lord? We thank you for a gathering of your people today. We thank you, God, that we are gathered under the one name, the name that is above every other name. That is Jesus Christ. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as I said, church, we're going to study today and we're going to do a little bit of looking at this passage, just a few verses at a time. Um, it's probably not the sort of thing that we normally do, but I just felt as we were going through this series on how's your walk, you know, the thing is, it's not, this isn't just a a catchy title or a mantra that uh, Pastor Matt and uh, myself have come up with. 
The thing is that we truly believe that God has, to, has something to teach us through this series from his word. And so we're going to go through this a few verses at a time, beginning in verse 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, there's this word at the beginning of those verses, and it says, therefore. And it's a word that I sort of feel like often we would probably skim over. If we're honest, if this was a verse that we were going to take and put in a picture frame or post on social media or do something with, we would probably just begin at be imitators of God. We wouldn't really include this word, therefore. But when we're studying scripture, there are no accidents. Words are there purposefully. And what therefore does is it offers us just a little bit of context. So it tells us that Paul, the writer of this passage, he's continuing on. He's carrying on. The word therefore tells us that it's a continuation of what he has already been teaching in Ephesians chapter 4. So in Ephesians 4, what he's doing is he is speaking to believers. So that's another thing with one word that we can see that Paul is actually speaking to the church. This isn't a message just for the people at the time that he's speaking to or writing to. It's for the church. It's for today. It's for believers. It says, therefore, because Paul is continuing to teach believers how they should relate to one another. But as he teaches us how we should relate to one another, he also teaches us how we shouldn't, what we shouldn't do. He teaches us what we need to leave behind. So again, Paul continues with his teaching in this short passage and says, therefore, and it says, be imitators of God. Church, this serves us as a reminder you know, the verb, the verb be there in, that, in, that, in those four words, that verb be is probably better translated or probably good to look at it as become. So what that reminds us is the potential that is in us, what we have within us, it has to become actual. It is active. It's something that is being worked out. It's something that we are continuing to become. We are becoming imitators of God. It reminds us that that potential in us has to become actual. The idea isn't that difficult to understand. All it's telling us is that we are to make God our example and our model. God is what we need to look to. We can't be content comparing ourselves to ordinary man, ordinary woman, ordinary people. We can't be content imitating imperfect people when we have a perfect God, the creator of the universe. This is who we are to imitate. And this reminds us that yes, we have people in our lives that are good for us. But who do we imitate? Who do we look to? Who do we look to become like? Like God. And that's what this reminds us to do. And it goes on to say, as beloved children, walk in love. You know, church, this is a call 
to action. It gives us a call to action. I think we need to take heed of this because it doesn't say sit around and think about God. It doesn't say sit there and admire God. It's not an inactive thing. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood. There is absolutely and should be place in your life to sit and admire who God is. You need to have that time where you simply sit in awe of your creator. That is important. That is vital. But that isn't what this passage is telling us to do. It's saying to walk in love. It's almost like it's a continuation Again, as I said, it's carrying on from what was taught in Ephesians chapter 4. And when I read Ephesians chapter 4, there's a verse in it that is such a challenge. And I feel like it just goes perfectly with this call to action. The verse is in Ephesians 4, 32. And we're commanded to be forgiving one another. Just as God in Christ also forgave you. You see, when I read that verse, I think forgiveness is possibly one of the most challenging things that we face as believers, to forgive people. But I think the challenge has actually been made more real, more difficult, more active in how Paul is speaking to us. Because you see, what he isn't encouraging us to do is he isn't encouraging us to sit at our homes and to think about forgiving people. He's not telling us, do you know what? He's not telling us to sit there and think, I actually, I do forgive him or I forgive her. I actually forgive them for what they did for me. But the thing is, I'm not really going to see them. I'm not going to go out of my way to go and be with them. You know, so I'm going to forgive them, but they're never going to know that they're forgiven. But that's all right. Church, yes, sometimes... That might be the wise thing to do. But if I'm honest, in this passage, when we're talking about being, we're talking about becoming, we're talking about walking, it is an active forgiveness, church. If there are people in your lives that need forgiven, they need to know that they are forgiven. You need to tell them that they are forgiven. Now, church, there are ways to do that. Some people might, might not think that they need forgiveness. And it might not be the best idea to go and say, you're forgiven, and then to turn around and say, what for? But listen, forgiveness, yes, it can be in your heart. But if there's an option, you go, you walk in love, and you tell people that they are forgiven. Forgiveness is a step. It's a walk. It's a direction that we go in. It requires activity. It's not just forgiving in our minds and then leaving it at that. And the reason I say that is look at what Christ went through to forgive you. It says he gave himself up for us. Is there a more active forgiveness? Is there a more active um, example of forgiveness in the history of time? No. The ultimate example the ultimate sacrifice, church. This, display, this displays for us an example. Paul says these words and he chooses them carefully. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And gave himself up for us. You see, giving ourselves up 
It means offering our lives to God in sacrifice. The thing is, our sacrifice, it will never be as close to what Christ gave for us. It will never be that. But that doesn't mean that we should not offer our lives, offer ourselves, our persons, our characters, our relationships. That does not mean that we should not offer those things to God. Listen, church, Christ gave himself up for us. And it says, as Christ loved us, we are to walk in love. We are to do what Christ did. And we are to give ourselves up. As Christ did, we are to submit ourselves. It means following, it means obeying, it means serving, it means living in a committed relationship with God. Giving ourselves up to God. Giving ourselves up means walking in love. When we behave like this, our lives, it tells us, becomes a fragrant offering. That's pleasing to God and it's pleasing to everyone who encounters it. The thing about a, the thing about a fragrance, the thing about something that is fragrant, when you walk into a room, you notice it. It stands out. As we are active in becoming imitators of Christ, as we are walking in love, just as Christ loved us, as we are doing these things, it should be noticed. The fact that we are in a relationship with God is an active thing that people should see. So church, that is a call to action. It's telling us that this is something that should be seen. Paul urges believers in Romans chapter 12. He urges believers to offer themselves, and it says, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Listen, as we gather, one of my favorite things that we do is what we call worship. When we gather and we sing, it's probably my favorite part of our gatherings together. But can I tell you that true and proper worship is not just the song that you sing, but the person that you are. Are you becoming holy? Are you offering yourself as a living, a living and active sacrifice to God? Are you pleasing to God? That is your worship. It's your true and proper worship. To, to walk in love, to imitate God, just as Christ gave himself up for us. There's a few things that I want to share here before we move on to the next part of the passage. Just as a reminder of what we have just heard, be imitators of God. We must remind ourselves that to become imitators as beloved children is our calling. It is what we are. It is who we are. As we become imitators, it's not just a nice idea. We become imitators as beloved children, as cherished by God, and that is our calling. That's our mantra. That is what we are to do. This is what God instructs us. And then it says, walk in love. Walking in love goes beyond our inner spirituality. It is a 
call to practical action. When I think about Christ's ministry on earth, it was active. He went to where the need was. He went to where the people were. He healed. He preached. He restored. Christ's ministry on earth was active. It is a call to practical action. Walk in love. And it says that Christ gave himself up for us. We walk in love by imitating God's love for us. And how we show love to others. We walk in love by imitating God's love for us. And how we show love to others. When we're making those sacrifices, are they noticed? Do people know about them? It's not about receiving glory or credit. It's about people seeing Christ in you. If you're, if you're active and you're doing things in a way that you are receiving the credit or the glory, then I would argue that you might be doing it wrong. People should always know that you are the hands and feet of Christ and that is your saviour. You're obedient. You're submissive to him. It is an active, it is an active loving. We're going to move on to the next part of the passage. And, you know, when I, was, when I was looking at this, when I was studying this, this next part is probably the bit that would make us feel uncomfortable. And it would be very easy for me to just skip past it because words like this, it just feels like we shouldn't really talk about or say in church. Church, it's in God's word. I can't skip. I can't glance over what God is telling me. Not only what he's telling me, what he's telling the church. The church has to hear this. And it says this, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And again, I'm going to start with a small word, and it says but. It says, but, and then beside that you'll notice that I've written, being obedient to God is more than just loving, it is also leaving. What I mean by that is loving is all well and good. Yes, sometimes loving is hard work, but it's probably the easier, it's probably the easier of the two things that is being asked of us here, because when it says, but, it's talking about the things that we aren't to be the things that we are to leave behind. So when I say obedience to God is more than just loving, it is also leaving. What I mean is Paul goes beyond just loving. He uses a small word, but, because he wants us to know that there's more. There's more to what we're saying. He wants us to know that we aren't just taking up a mantra. We aren't just using a saying. We are also giving up of things that hinder us. We are also leaving behind what we need to leave behind. As you are to become an imitator of Christ, as you are to become an imitator of God, as you walk in love, if you are carrying anything that hinders you, then can I encourage you to leave that, to leave it where it needs to be because this, this passage is so clear. It tells us that it must not even be named. That's a strong phrase, but it's because it's a strong message, church. The message from Paul here is strong. 
The, the Greek word that's used here when referring to that phrase, sexual immorality, the Greek word that's used is pornea. And what that actually refers to, I didn't know this before studying it, but it really opened my eyes to what Paul was telling us here. It actually refers to any kind of immorality. And I think when we understand that, then the message becomes clear. It refers to any type of sexual immorality. It refers to that which must not even be named. Church, it's not an option for believers. If you're in Christ, then those things, those are the things that you must leave behind. It goes on to say, let there be no Let there be no, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking. It actually tells us these things are out of place. They're just not right. When I actually love that phrase, which are out of place, it's things that believers just shouldn't be known for. I think there's a reason when we're saved in Christ, I think there's a reason that when we say things that we aren't supposed to say or we make jokes about things that we aren't supposed to make jokes about, there's a reason we feel bad. It's not just because we feel bad. We're under conviction because, you see, we're believers. And so when we sin, then the Holy Spirit, it lets us know that we are sinning. Yes, we are imperfect people. I know that. But it says, let there be no It's a strong phrase. Believers shouldn't be known for these things. Church, we can't allow these things to fester. Filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. Paul describes them as out of place. We are the church. We are imitators of God. If these things exist, then we don't look any different to the outside world. So what are we to do? We are to let there be thanksgiving. This is what we are to be known for, church. This is what we are to move on to. Those things we are leaving behind because we are to move on to this. You see, when we are beloved children, when we are children of God, we should be known for our gratitude. We should be known for our thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. We read in the passage earlier, Christ gave himself for us. If that isn't the ultimate act of love, I don't know what is. Church, let there be thanksgiving. It actually says, but instead. And again, small, what could be seen as insignificant phrase, but it moves us on. It leaves things behind. It says, you know what? Those things that you shouldn't be doing and you shouldn't be saying, we're going to leave them there because instead we are children of God. We are beloved children. We are imitators of God. And so let there be thanksgiving. That is from believers. There's a few verses that I'm going to have to skip because of time. But what I want to encourage you to do is at home read this passage. Because Paul actually mentions in these verses about your inheritance in the kingdom of God. And I encourage you that again because of time I just simply can't cover all of it. But listen, Paul talks about your inheritance in the kingdom of God. So I encourage you, make time for this. There's things that God wants you to leave behind. There are things that God wants you to take up and it's active. So as you go home, 
open the word, read, see what God has to say to you. And we're going to move on to this. And it's with these last few verses that I finish. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good, in all that is right, in all that is true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I don't know if you catch that first phrase. I think it's easy to miss. It says, you were darkness. It doesn't just say that you were in darkness. It says you were darkness. This is what we were before we met God. The word darkness symbolizes sin. It symbolizes death. These are the things that you were. It also means a lack of understanding. It means that we didn't know or we didn't understand what was at stake. You were darkness, not you were in. It's actually saying that we were part of the problem. But thank God that it says were. Because then it says you are. Church, you are light. This is what you are in Christ. The word light, well, it represents something totally different. It doesn't represent sin or death. It represents righteousness. It represents life. It means that you are of understanding. So when you feel like you don't know anything, you know more than you did before. You've moved on from darkness. You are light. You see, the thing about light is I could switch off every light in this building. I could leave it in complete darkness. And if I light a candle and I put it in that corner, you will see it because light always overcomes the darkness church you see we've moved on from the people that we were before we are beloved children we are imitators of God we are walking in love and so we are no longer darkness you are light so what do we do with that church walk as children of light this is what we do with who we are it's a label for those who are in right relationship with God It's a label for those who stand right with God. We are to walk in that relationship. It's active and it's moving. This is another call to action. All that is good, all that is right, all that is true. Church, Paul is telling you, God is telling you, walk in that. Leave behind those things. Let there be no, let there be no filthiness, no crude talk. Let there be none of that because you know why? You're in God, you're in Christ, you are light and darkness will never overcome light. So as you struggle in your walk, it's okay because you're still walking, you're still going, you're walking in love, you're walking in Christ. You are light. It's another call to action. This is what we do with who we are. You see, you have moved from one place to another. And thank God for the place that you're in now. You see, you're made righteous. You're made holy. And yes, we may make mistakes. We may sometimes look like we did in the past. But thank God that Christ went to the cross and gave himself up so that we would have the opportunity to repent of those things. You see, once we had no way, then Christ came and now we have a way to the Father. So can I encourage you, be active in your walk, be in relationship with God, walk 
as children of light. Church, let me pray, and then the team are going to lead us in the final song. Heavenly Father, gracious God, we thank you, Lord, that what that we are known as light, that we are children of light and God, that we can walk in this. Lord, as we would struggle, would you help us? God, would you carry us along? God, would you help us to be active in not only knowing who we are, but living that out? God, we thank you for all that you have done for us through Christ on the cross. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for who we are in you. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.